Hello, and welcome to another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast brought to you by Cheeky Scientist. I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel, and today we will be talking to Ernst Gentes uh, about business analyst positions. If you are interested in listening to the full interview and getting access to all of the full interviews as well as attending uh, these interviews live, uh, you can go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn more about being coming an associate. If you'd like these these podcasts and the, these interview highlights delivered to your email inbox, you can go to cheekyscientist.com and uh, email subscribe there in the, the bottom center of that page. Now, you can also download these podcasts from iTunes and listen to them there. Uh, so again, we're talking with Ernst Gentes today. Um, Ernst obtained his PhD in cancer research in Amsterdam in 2011. He then did a one-year postdoc at Utrecht uh, before transitioning into a business developer role at TNO, a nonprofit company that focuses on applied science. Uh, this involved marketing and PR activities as well as international strategic business development. Um, currently, he works for Aglia Biomedical Ventures. Um, he began there as a business analyst before being promoted to associate soon thereafter. Uh, so we're going to jump right in with Ernst. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so you have uh, uh, just a lot of experience in, in something that's been an increasingly popular topic, you know, venture capital, uh, becoming a business analyst, and, and with your background, I mean, it's um, it's unique. And I kind of want to just want to back up a little bit because we have a lot of people listening right now that are mm-hmm. still trying to transition into their first industry job. So I always like to ask, you know, what what was your story in terms of transitioning out of academia? How, how did it work for you? Yeah. Um, well, basically. Um, well, you know, so I did um, I did cancer I did cancer research, and uh, well, in terms of um, those kinds of uh, that kind of science, uh, it's it's very practical. So I guess about 80% of the work you do is uh, very practical, repetitive. And I well, I did not think that was something which uh, lie within my core competencies. Um, so and at that time, I knew, you know, if I would. Uh, uh, if I want, want to be successful in science, I knew I had to do this for at least four years and still be very lucky. So I just took my chances uh, and I thought, well, you know, there's little reward for the effort I put into it. Uh, so that was one thing of the story. But I guess the other thing was that at that time, I basically concluded I'm basically more of a generalist, uh, uh, you know, liking mm. multiple things uh, in science with other roles different topics, uh, rather than being a specialist, you know, that in which you focus on a very tiny subject. And the other thing is what, that, that I wanted my work to be having more impact, or at least mm-hmm. the impact that was more uh, visible to me. Uh, so that's that. those, are, I think, the, were the, the main motivations uh, uh, to leave science. But that said, it's, uh, it's not an easy one, and especially, uh, you know, when you have to determine your next step, it takes a lot of time and uh, an effort to get to the uh, to the next phase because basically, well, uh, you have basically to turn your whole career upside down. Mm. Um, and it, it definitely took me, well, I, I think I, I started with that, I think already one or two years before uh, finishing my PhD. Uh, you mean, I mean, I talk to people who wait until the very end to decide on their next career path. Um, those things typically don't really work out, you know. Yes. When you just completed your PhD, uh, 
those things don't really occur to you at the end. Um, I think you only get ideas on this when you've really thoroughly gathered information on you know all the possibilities. You start to integrate it, uh, and if you wait until the very end, you basically will be under pressure to accept basically any yes. type of job, and you will miss the relevant network. So it's very important to uh, start very early on uh, on developing ideas of where you might be moving next. Um, uh, because otherwise, there's a pretty good chance that you won't get the right job in for you and that you will basically waste time. So mm. it basically means you will need to do a lot of researching, uh, basically of your own personality. Uh, you know, you have to do some of that your own or you can help others. Uh, and you, will to, you have to do a lot of external research, do a lot of networking yes. to get to that point. Well, yeah, you just covered like 15 key topics <laughs> that, we, that we've addressed with you guys. For those of you that are listening over and over again, this is great. You know, so just to, to recap a few of them, you know, we talked about figuring out what his core competencies were, right? And that, we've talked yeah. about this. I mean, a simple way to say that is what are your, you know, figure out what your strengths are, what you want to do. In his case, yeah. he wanted to do more of, you know, what we've described in the past is like cross-functional work, you know, more of a generalist where maybe you're working with different teams and you're working on different projects. Uh, so if this kind of a stuff appeals to you, then, you know, what we're talking about today uh, might be a good fit. And then I really yeah. loved, I really loved everything you said about not waiting till the last minute. And, and for you, for those of you that have been on other webinars, we've talked about this over and over again. If you wait until you're about to get your PhD or when you're, you know, you run out of funding with your postdoc, you waited too long and yeah. now you're under pressure and you're going to take whatever you can get. And a lot of you are in this situation. Um, yeah, it's very unfortunate. I mean, uh, uh, there's so many talented people out there, and uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a pity that uh, uh, some of them might end up in the wrong positions. Mm. And at some point, uh, if you make a lot of those wrong decisions, uh, it's really hard to get into the right onto the right track. Absolutely. And so I think the key is, you know, for those of you guys that are here, I mean, you're here for a reason. So it's not it's not too late. But you know, the final point was networking. Like you want to change things up, you have to change your network. Um, and yeah. and again, it's just good to have outside people come in and, and reiterate that over and over again. Yeah. So that, that I mean that's that's great. My, I guess my next question is: So you decided to transition out of academia for all these reasons we talked about. Um, you know, you you put in you placed importance on networking, spent time doing that. But what motivated you to move specifically into the into a, you know business analysis and, and development following your PhD yeah. versus something else? Um, well. Um, so, so I worked uh, in a research group um, which was quite entrepreneurial, I would say. Um, so the um, um, the professor, uh, his name is Rene Bernards, and he's also in, uh, a, a co-founder of a company called Agenda, as well as some other companies. Um, so basically, there was a lot of there were a lot of things going on which had nothing to do or nothing to do, uh, which had more more something to do with the commercial side of science and. I was kind of appealed by that, mm. uh, but unfortunately, of course, uh, I mean, I wasn't uh, involved in that. Um, so I kind of, you know, saw, saw that coming by, and uh, it kind of occurred to me that I really liked this translational aspect of science. So I thought, well, you know, I, I think I would really want to become a CEO of a biotech company. But, you know, after talking to some people, I I found out well. It's it's not very easy to become an, uh, a CEO of a company. Uh, for that, you you know you need to have your own intellectual property. And I, mm. 
Well, I mean, I was doing pretty pretty good science, but not uh, to the extent that I thought, well, I have something uh, something that I you know can file great IP on and uh, and start a company around that. So then I thought, well, then I'm gonna pursue a different strategy in the sense that I I'm gonna try to get into business development, uh, develop commercial skills, and just try to get access to IP and basically use that to to start a company from my own. Of my own, mm. so um, so I thought. Well, that that uh, that that seemed to be a good strategy at that point. Um, so that's uh, how I at that point I came in contact with Tino, and there basically I was lucky in the sense that there was a a guy there who well said, um, I don't know. I mean, you're a scientist, but uh, I will give you a chance. And I guess that's also something you need in your career, someone that is willing to give you. Uh, to give you a chance of that, and uh, mm. I took that chance, and it was not entirely my background in the sense that uh, it was about food science, about microbial biotechnology, so it really had nothing to do with cancer research at all, um, and especially food science wasn't something I was very passionate about, but uh, I mean, you have to be flexible a little bit in that sense, um, I guess, when you, it's very difficult to find a job which is an immediate fit. I mean, you have to mm. accept that you might be, you need a, a certain certain plateau to get to the point you really want to be getting at. Yeah, and I mean, what I heard Ernst say is, you know, number one and number two, you, you have to be, a, you know, a um, if, if it's not a strength, you at least have to be a fan of entrepreneurship and innovation. And it's, gonna, it's, it's obviously a critical factor in this area. But at the same time, it's not going to be a it may not be a direct path. And I would say in in these industries more so than others, um, it may not be a, a straight line to getting into that exact position. You know, like Ernst said, he he tried many different things, uh, starting a business, going into other positions. Uh, you have to be a little bit more flexible as things yeah. move a little bit more quickly in this industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little bit. Um uh, some, somewhat hard to accept if you, you know, you've just finished your PhD. It was a long, grueling uh, journey, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to accept that you have to accept something which is not immediately the one hundred percent fit. What but, did you? And what did, uh, What was that for you? What did you accept right away? What did I accept in the job? What was your first step? Yeah, right after. No, I mean this was the first step to this development position. Mm. Uh, but I just mean that it was not a 100% fit in uh, in terms yeah. of the uh, in terms of the the, the company itself, yes. the culture, and uh, I would say the the topics the topics. Uh, but I think a lot of the activities I did were actually very nice, and I really liked it a lot. So no, and I think this is a great lesson, right? I mean, yeah. and you made the best of it, right? And a lot of you, you yeah. we talk about this. You know, you don't just wait for that one perfect position and no. not apply to other jobs or positions because once you get in industry. You have much more leverage, and you can move to other positions. You know, so don't wait for that perfect position. Like, get no. into industry in something related to what you want to do, and, and then you can start climbing the ladder and moving laterally, like Ernst is saying. Exactly. You know, I mean, uh, just ask yourself, like, okay, well, uh, those might be not the exact topics that match my PhD, or mm. the culture may may not be 100% a match, but then still. There are so many things I can learn, which will be, um, which are fitting my career path. And that's most important, I think. Absolutely. So, can you? We, we have a lot of people again that are talk, they they throw on these job titles, but they don't really know 
you know, what they do. So let, let's just talk with being a, a, a business analyst. What, yeah. what does the job entail, right? There was a bunch of words in your bio yeah. in the intro that we talked about that some people may not know. What, maybe you can break it down a little bit. What does a job entail? What is the work-life balance? You know, what does a day in a life look like? Yeah. So, um, so the business analyst role is, I would say, more an internal role. And the business development role is a more external role, uh, but both are quite uh, broad. Mm. Um, so the business business analyst role, you will be, I mean, you will be, for example, looking at a certain technology, uh, and uh, you basically will be uh, calculating uh, the business case for that, meaning that okay, I have this technology. Uh, if I were to invest, uh, what do I need to invest in it in terms of uh, money, in terms of people, or infrastructure, whatever, and what what is the predicted uh, outcome of it. Um, so, uh, for, for example, we at Tino, we were looking at a new technology, and with this technology, we were able to make a certain kind of plastic. And uh, we were calculating, uh, like, oh, how much would we need to invest in that, and how much would we get out of it, and what would we we actually be needing in terms of resources. So that, those types of questions you can get. Um, I also did uh, things like writing business plans in the sense that um, I was looking at uh, technologies for which uh, I need to uh, mm-hmm. find the right partners, uh, meaning people that can help you uh, further mature the technology, uh, look at uh, potential um, acquirers of a certain technology, um, those kinds of things, um, as well as I think something what I commonly did was uh, so-called techno-economical evaluation, in which you compare your technology uh, with other technologies that are competing, and try to get a sense of what's the mm. value of your technology in relation to that. So those kinds of things. The business development uh, role is a more external role in that sense that you will also be talking um, to um, well, to pharmaceutical companies. For example, uh, we had a certain technology at Tino for which we were looking for pharma, for pharma partners that wanted to license the technology. Uh, so basically, I just started off with uh, looking, uh, making a short list of uh, potentially interested companies. You make calls or you meet them at uh, conferences. So you present them uh, the technology. You try to, uh, to make a deal out of it. Yes. Yeah. I did want to also ask. Since we're kind of on this, we're defining things now. A lot of people ask, "What is venture capital?" Right? We all think we know. There's just people that fund with entrepreneurs or startups. But maybe you can help explain a little bit more clearly what venture capital is and why a PhD yeah. would want this type of job at that type of firm. Yeah. So um, uh, what what venture capitalists do? They basically offer capital to ventures or startups, just so that explains the name. Um, and they offer capital to startups, which uh, basically conventional capital supplies like banks wouldn't give money to because they're too risky. Um, so what they do is they give money. Uh, they try to build a company. At some point, they they, uh, they either sell the company and they get a return on that, or they uh, try to, to list the, the company on the stock market, for example, and try to get a return on that. Uh, it's a very risk, risky business in the sense that, uh, well, they look at a lot of companies. Um, um, so, uh, but, but they know that only one of the 100 companies will make it. 
so what they have is they have large sorts of capital assembled in a fund. Uh, I mean, uh, this can be a fund of uh, 50 million or even up to 1 billion. And this capital comes from high net worth individuals, uh, pension funds, uh, healthcare organization, investment banks. So they, they all put their money in that fund. And the venture capitalists, they basically decide where the money goes and which companies there the money is being invested. And there are funds that are specialized in healthcare and biotech uh, investments. So they only do investments in uh, well, early stage technology or later stage technology. It can be something infectious diseases or in oncology or diabetes, anything. Uh, but they know uh, they get, so they get a lot of proposals. Uh, but they, some of them get up to a thousand investment proposals per year. And they will only invest in uh, uh, 0 to 2% of those. Uh, which uh, mm. is because you know um, uh, only a few of those can make it. So the nice thing about it, you get to see a lot of science, a lot of uh, diverse diversity yes. science. So you get to see things in oncology. If you work for a uh, large science venture capital fund that is operating in all disease areas, you get to see something in infectious diseases and diabetes, cardiovascular disease. So the nice thing about the jobs is you have to dive. Mm into those into the science uh, and quickly assess whether this is uh, has potential or not find uh, the relevant mm -hmm. experts ask the right questions um, and then there are other things to that in the sense that you need to be learning on intellectual property um, how how you know how, how good is the IP that the founders have found is there any IP at all how good is the business case um, uh, what, uh, how will they bring this uh, technology to market? Uh, what are the uh, plans they have for development? Uh, so it's a job which basically combines many aspects: uh, IP, finance, finance, legal, business development, um, and a lot of science. Actually, I read, I think every day I spend one or two hours just reading about science, but also reading about clinical news, regulatory news, all the new deals. So, for example, today I talked to a um, uh, te technology transfer office about a new company they wanted to spin out. So I had some discussions on that. Mm. But I also talked to a, um, a website builder and people specializing, specializing in PR about making website for a new company we invested in. So that's really uh, corporate stuff we do. Um, as well as I, you know, did a in-depth analysis of new data of a company where we are very interest, interested in investing in. So it can be uh, very broad yes. in that sense. So that's a nice thing about it, I think. No, that's a great, great explanation, too. And I, I think you guys that are listening can uh, see the variety of the different types of activities that you'll have to do. And, you know, we've had many other people t come and, and do webinars on specific components, whether it's intellectual property or technology transfer. Um, yeah. We've had other business analysts. And, I, you know, I think what Ernst done, has done is put, put all of these pieces together really well for you. Um, so one one question we had in, in in our private group that that came through for this webinar was what were the what were the, some of the challenges you faced in entering this profession because it doesn't seem to be one that you can get into directly which we've already talked about but I guess mm -hmm. for you specifically what what was difficult about getting into it and you, you did talk about you know having some types of growing pains and getting used to the differences maybe you yeah. can speak to that a little bit yeah well uh, so the venture capital uh, world at least is um, uh, it's, 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 it's quite a small world, so there are only, uh, well, I think thousand, a couple of thousand people doing it. 
artiesten in, in biotech in, uh, in healthcare. Uh, so there are not that many positions. So it's uh, I guess it's very um, it's very competitive. Um, to, um, so that that's 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 a, that's a problem. But uh, I would say, well, don't do not let that put you down. I mean. Uh, I think if you're if you're smart and motivated and resourceful, you will uh, you will manage for sure. Mm. Um, and um, I think the other thing is that, um, that there are a lot of things to learn. So I mean, you will need to be learning things about IP. Uh, you need to be learning things about uh, uh, legal matters, contracting, which I had no idea about at all. Uh, finance, uh, but also you know some of the corporate things. Um, so that um, that those were challenges, but um, I think uh, I mean it's also it's, I, I kind of liked it to to broaden myself in that sense. Um, another sense, what was uh, uh, which was something I didn't really expect is that um, so as a venture capitalist, you uh, basically you invest in uh, in academic science. At least we we do. Um, but uh, some of the venture, venture capitalists don't always have a great reputation in science. I mean, um, some scientists they see venture capitalists as, uh, as sharks, so meaning, uh, meaning that they invest money in your invention and then uh, uh, make money over it, and you won't get anything. So that's um, mm. well something uh, something an image you have to be working on, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I think, well, I mean. I think those were pretty much the challenges I had. Um, no, that's yeah. good. I think that helps clarify yeah. and a few things we haven't heard before. Um, cool. So I guess I want to spin off a question of these, uh, on challenges and, and talk about, you know, where to find, you know, how to, how to fit your into, yourself into the right position. So one question that we had in the, in the private group was, you know, are there any specific skills uh, especially transferable skills that are important for applying to these jobs. And, and we just had this in the chat box too. If um, one of the associates said, what are the transferable interpersonal skills required for business analysts versus business development roles? So, I mean, let's imagine a situation where all everything else is equal technically. So let's say two candidates have mm -hmm. the same technical skills. Mm -hmm. What would one candidate need in terms of interpersonal skills or transferable skills to be a good business analyst? And what would, you know, a candidate need to have in terms yeah. of interpersonal and transferable skills to be a business development role. Yeah. Well, at least I can uh, say I think the, the skills you have as a PhD are very, very relevant uh, for the job. I mean, um, I think um, um, I think the science is what counts most in the in this job. So we will, we would always look at the science, especially. I mean, you, you have different types of investors, right? You have investors that invest in very early stage technology. And investors that invest in uh, somewhat later stage technology, meaning that you know the technology has also already been proved to some extent. But especially those early stage investors, then uh, the scientific skills, the analytical skills are very, very important. Um, so you maybe you can differentiate from that. Of course, is it helps when you have had some kind of a commercial experience, which I had, so the business development experience. Um, I think it really helps when you like. Uh, when you've worked on several subjects, um, so I did. Um, I, I obviously had a, I had some background in uh, cancer science, but I also worked uh, on industrial biotech and um, well, food science, which actually includes uh, microbiome analysis, which is a very hot topic at the moment. 
Um, so if you are a person who like who likes to read a lot, uh, who's interested in um, well, I mean, in IP and legal, I think uh, that, that definitely helps if you can um, if you can show that and it also that you have been attracted to that in the sense that you have been uh, trying to get all these. Uh, so there are a couple of introductory courses you can go to, right, in, uh, in terms of how the pharmaceutical landscape looks like. And that's always very useful in the sense that you have a sense of what's going on in that, uh, in that, uh, in that world. Um, so I think for those of you interested, um, uh, there are a couple of very excellent newsletters out, out there that you can, uh, you can subscribe to. There's one from Fierce, Biotech and Pharma. Uh, and if you, I think if you read those for a couple of months, you pretty have a good you have a pretty good sense of what's going on in that world, so, and uh, at least you can speak the the language. What was the um, no? That's great. And what was the name of the periodical Fierce. again? Fierce. Fierce? Yeah. Like I F can uh, I can type it in if you want. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. And um, actually, there are some very uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> There are actually some very nice articles on Nature Biotech. Uh, there's one uh, session called Bioentrepreneur, uh, which is very good. Uh, there are some articles by Dennis Ford, who is from Life Science Nation, who writes, writes very good uh, articles about that. Um, Great. And the other thing I would definitely recommend to go to all those entrepreneurship meetings. Uh, so if you do all of that, you basically get a sense of, um, you know, how, how the pharmaceutical landscape looks like, um, uh, how drug development looks like. Um, you get a sense of the, the, the lingo they use. Um, this is good. Um, and what were some of the meetings that you would recommend? Well, I mean, so in, in Holland we have a couple of, uh, yeah, a couple of meetings. Uh, so a couple of meetings that uh, I guess are not easily accessible for uh, people abroad. Uh, so not something worth I could mention, but I think in the United States, for example, there's a meeting called uh, the RAISI. Uh, that is uh, that is intended for um, the RAISI. Okay. RAISI, yeah. This is good. Um, yeah. Well, I want to make sure we have time to get to some of this other, um, a few yeah. other practical questions too. So, as you know, we're, we have people that are applying to these jobs or trying to understand the application process for these individual positions. So maybe can can you break down? what exactly the application interview process was for a business analyst role, for example, and was there anything, I mean, anything that was a little bit unusual to the role, like do you take certain tests or do they have a lot of panel discussions, um, any specific interview questions, et cetera? Um, so I can, uh, yeah, yeah, indeed, well, for, uh, I would say for business analyst role, um, they will they will probably ask you um, to evaluate a um, basically a, a technology proposition. So they will come up with uh, well, I have this certain technology, um, and uh, how how will I how will you approach this in terms of um, how will do you bring this to the market? Uh, what will be the business case? So they give you a couple of features on that, uh, and so they will test you on that. I think that's the most logical step, or the, um, uh, they will ask will ask you for yes. to do it. Techno-economic evaluation, meaning that, um, well, how do you think this will be in relation to other technologies? How will you score for that? Um, those kinds of things. For the venture capital role, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. So they'll probably ask you to evaluate an investment proposition. 
they may, might be asking you to, uh, to look at a company and say, well, I've got this company with these products and uh, who you think might be a potential acquirer for the company and why. So that those are questions you could get. Um, they could ask you um, how you would set up a company, how you would approach that. Those kinds of questions are uh, quite typical. No, that's perfect. Thank you for joining us for another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast. If you're interested in attending one of these interviews live, or if you're interested in getting access to the full interview, including all of the background materials and show notes, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become a associate. Uh, you can get on the waitlist for the next association enrollment period there and learn full details about the program. It's a program specifically designed to help PhDs transition uh, into top industry positions. If you would like to see receive more of these interview highlights uh, via our podcast uh, sent directly to your email, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe under where it says start here. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, until next week, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.